Ian Thorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold and a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on a third. He's got it. 984, a world record for Donovan Bailey and a gold medal. A perfect score. 10.0 for Dante Tabanici. A perfect score. The first time I've never seen it. Welcome back to Off the Podium for another interview, maybe our last interview before we get to Tokyo 2021 and how appropriate it is that we're actually going to be speaking to somebody who will be there in Tokyo 2021 competing. And if you heard a couple of episodes ago uh, on our 99th episode, we were speaking to Pat Malgaris, who uh, wrote a book on one of the Olympic coaches uh, in this sport. We're talking again to a distance runner, this time somebody who's about to compete in their fifth Olympics, which is absolutely crazy. Today we have on the show Abdi Abdiraman, who himself also wrote a book that's uh, going to be coming out in the coming weeks, I'm guessing, just post-Tokyo. In this interview, you're probably going to hear him say that the book's coming out in July, uh, which we're in now, but the book actually is going to be coming out uh, in August now, while uh, we've heard. So still plenty to enjoy of Abdi, uh, as we're going to be able to watch him uh, in the Tokyo games we're going to be providing daily coverage i'm sure we're going to talk about his event uh but uh then post tokyo look for his book that's going to be out there and uh this was a great chat much like the one we had with pat it's great to be able to talk to uh anybody in a new sport and distance running something that's interesting to me not just because it's the only sport that i can perform myself definitely not at a competitive level but uh it's something that's even become more fascinating for me to watch on tv for a long drawn out event there can be a lot of drama packed in there so please enjoy this our interview with abdi abdiraman So we're thrilled to have our latest athlete. This time we're going to the Summer Olympics. I didn't even realize until before we did this interview how long it's been since we talked to a summer athlete. And we're now within weeks of the Tokyo Olympics and we get to talk to somebody who's going to be there, who's getting prepared, he's taking time out of his busy schedule to be here. Uh, we're talking to, now he will be a five-time Olympian. Five-time, five-time, five-time. How many times can we say that? Abdi Abdurrahman. He's going to be competing uh, in distance running at the Tokyo Olympics coming up. Abdi, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, Abdi, we start all these interviews by uh, asking, you know, how somebody got into the sport. I mean, when it comes to something like running, you know, I would assume most people learn how to run. I mean, I've got two toddlers upstairs who are two years old. They were running around today. But uh, as far as competitive running, you know, how did you actually come into the sport? Uh, you know, uh, I was a late bloomer to the running of sports, uh, running sports. And I started running, I'm like, sure, just my... My my like my first year in college, and the reason I I started running was because a lot of my friends they were athletes doing different sports. Some play baseball, soccer, basketball. So, and I was only the one who wasn't doing any sports. So, for me to fit in, I just I I decided I want to do some sports too. And the all the sports that I was, I feel like I could do it was I thought was running, mm-hmm. and that's how I started my running career. Did you ever run lots as a kid? I mean, was it something that you had any interest in, even if it wasn't competitively? Were you fast as a kid? Did your parents have trouble keeping up? 
No, no, no. I was, I, you know, I was a decent runner in the neighborhood kids. I always, you know, I wasn't the fastest, but also I wasn't the slowest. You know, I was an average kid. But I also know my strength was just, uh, you know, running long. I, I never get tired. You know, just I didn't have the fast twitch muscles, but I could run forever. I'm, I'm actually interested in something you said because this is the first time that uh, we've had somebody on where, where – I have some knowledge of the sport. I mean, I'm not, you know, super competitive or anything, but yeah, about five or six years ago, I got into doing uh, uh, half marathons. I still haven't worked up to the full marathon. I mean, I, I t- tip my hat to you for being able to do that. Uh, and, you know, so many people I talk to, you know, who do half marathons and everything, they always say that, uh, you know, the, the first couple kilometers are always brutal. You know, when you have been competing as long as you have, and you said, you know, kind of the beginning that, uh, you know, you just never really would get tired. Uh, how are how are those first few kilometers? Or at what point do you really start to feel, you know, the intensity of the run? Well, you know, and, and I think people, are, when they say that you, the first first kilometers are the, the hardest, I think they're true because that's what, that's when you, the first five, six, seven kilometers is the hardest because your body's not warm up, you know, you're not like just, you don't have that rhythm, but as the longer you go, the warmer you get, the rhythm, it gets better mm-hmm. and your breathing gets better. So, which is true. But for me, you know, as, as an elite athlete, you know, we warm up before the race and that's one of the reasons why we warm up. We do like a three or four months warm up before the race, you know, do some strides and we suddenly we're ready to go. We're ready to run fast right away. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of agree with your theory, to be honest, like 100%. So just the first kilometer is harder even. That's why the elite, Elite runners run the three or four miles warm up before a race, and you've competed or you've you've at least been on the the official teams. This will be your fifth Olympics. That's right. Yes, this is going to be my fifth U.S. Olympic team. Yep, and I made my first Olympic in two thousand. Wow. So in Sydney, because uh, I know you've competed in uh, I guess multiple distances. I guess primarily the uh, the the ten k and then as well the marathon you've competed in. Uh, when it was uh, back in Sydney, uh, did you have one distance you were going? Because I don't even know how it works with. Uh, we see with sprinters. We've talked to several sp- sprinters last year, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'll do the one hundred meter, the two hundred meter." But I-, I can imagine there's probably not a, a lot of uh, options if you're going into an Olympics. Say, I'll do the five thousand, ten thousand. <laughs> marathon i mean did you have a distance that you had been selected for as in like the team selected you or do you go out specifically and say i want to do ten thousand or a half marathon oh, no it doesn't work that way to be honest like uh, for like uh, any like you have to go to the u.s olympic trials and you know ever there's a lot of there's a lot of athletes that who are trying to qualify five thousand ten thousand meters so but on a year like a two three years after the trials you'll figure out what events you want to do what your strength is which which race do you have the best chance of making it it's all about playing your cards right so you know just for me at the beginning of my career i was five thousand ten thousand meter runner so it was easier for me to make to make the ten thousand meters since i wasn't like a you know i wasn't a marathoner at that time and you know i was a distance runner I wasn't like long distance runner, so I choose to do the ten thousand meter, five thousand meter at the beginning of my career. And as I get older, I move toward the longer distance, like a marathon, half marathon. So you know, just and that's how it works. So you have to go to trials. No one's gonna select you, and you don't say like, "Oh, I'm, I'm gonna run that five thousand meters." So mm-hmm. put me in five. It doesn't work that way. So you have to go to the U.S. Olympic trials, finish top three at the trials, then you will be selected and have the Olympic standards. When you were qualifying for those first Olympics, like was that something that you thought this is a possibility? You know, I might make the team, I might finish top three, or did it come as a surprise to you? 
No, it didn't come surprise me to be honest. As a compare, as a as a professional athlete, and you know, as just I knew everybody was want to make the team, and that's was the pinnacle of our sports. You know, just as a distance runner or any sprinters, you know, pinnacle of our sports is making to the to the Olympics. So, and that was the dream of mine. Just uh, every Olympic that every Olympic trial I went to, I prepared my best, the my best of my ability, and just get ready and just like you know and i always liked my chances mm-hmm. do, do you remember what the experience was like going to the olympics like d- did you have a moment where you were just wow i'm actually at the olympics you know fulfilling a dream or were you so or do you get so into game mode where you're just like you know it's just about the race because i know a lot of athletes they go there and they're like i didn't even appreciate it until after it was over you know you have to appreciate just and you also appreciate it like right when you make the team that's when you just just most of people realize what they accomplish, how big it is, you know, just at the end of the day, representing your country, there's no bigger honor than that. Besides serving as a military person, you know, just the next to that is like maybe just a representing and basically you go into a, where the, all the world, where, where, where everybody, every country bringing their best of their best of their athletes. And that is a competition. That's a friendly competition. Just so, and I think it's the second best thing to do for your country. Like, you know, just beside, I, I put our the servicemen and women, they are the best, you know, what they do. And there's no comparable to our, what we do. But for us, it's a, it's a little thing what we do. And, and I think that's the, it just, it's just amazing, you know, just to put that jersey, you know, when you say for USA and, and it's beyond, it's what you do. And so, because you're representing a whole nation, you're representing your, state you're representing your city you represent your community you represent your neighbors you represent your family it just kind of throws down everything it starts from the country all the way to your family so you know it's kind of it's it is it is a great thing when did you actually transition into doing um like when was your first marathon uh whether it was through you know olympic trials or uh did you ever just compete in you know uh the local marathons in arizona you know just just for fun no, I never ran any local marathons in Arizona, to be honest. I always, my first marathon was a New York City marathon. Wow. In 2004. That's a so, big one, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, just, and, and at that time, I was already two-time Olympian. So, you know, just was for, was the next move for me to do it. So, yeah, and that was my first Olympics in New York City marathon. Yeah. Did you uh, go into it thinking, you know, this is where I'd like to go with my career and eventually maybe do you know, a longer distance, do a marathon at the Olympics, or was it something you just thought about doing just for the training, just for the fun? No, it's just something that, like, I was I was more transitioning from shorter distance to a longer distance at that time. I started doing road races, and, and you know, the marathon, at the end, marathon is a, for us, is the marathon is where it's a lucrative business, you know, just, you, if, you, if you, if you can run good marathon, you can make a good living at the end of the day, and and that's what attracted me, and I just road wasn't cutting it, so on the track was okay. But I and I took out, and I knew I was going to be a good marathoner, so it was just a matter of time. And I think it was the right time to do it. it was a, right after the Athens Olympics. Mm-hmm. I find distance running to be so fascinating because uh, on the surface you think, well, I'm not going to sit down and watch a two-hour, you know, two-hour, 15-minute event or whatever, you know, what, what excitement is it going to be? But some of the most exciting things that have ever happened in the Olympics have been in the marathons. And I did just from, like, half marathons I've run in, you know, you could be chasing somebody down 
for two, three, four minutes before you even pass them. I mean, when you're doing a race that's that long, do you even have a gauge as to where you are in the positioning or, or what, or even for that matter, what your time is? I mean, do you kind of pace yourself? Do you have a watch? Are you figuring, you know, I, I'm running a little bit too slow. I got to pick it up in the next kilometer. That's a good question. Uh, it just, it's hard, actually. It, like, uh, it's marathons all about competition, you know, like when you're in the middle of a competition, just uh, like, and everybody's different, not, and not two people are the same when they're racing. Some people like to go out, some people like to sit down, sit in the back, come from back. For me, I just like, for me, it's a pure competition. Uh, what I like to do is I just want to get to the front and stay as long as I can. And also, like, I'll try to stay as relaxed as I can if my body allowed me to do it. But sometimes the marathon is so fast that there's some guys who are like way better than the other people, like someone like Yuli Kipchoge, yeah, like Lalisa. Those guys are so great. Sometimes there's no way we can handle our pace. So, and I don't wear a watch. I try to go with them. If I can handle the pace, I will stay with them. If I cannot, I'll just back off. I just run my my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sometimes if I wear a watch and you see how fast you're running, you kind of get discouraged because you, sometimes you're running too fast, sometimes you're running too slow, so it's kind of messed up with your mind. Yeah. That's what it does to me. For me, I just like to run, feel, just how my body's feeling. And again, because you're doing it for two hours at a time, it, it's probably got to be hard when you get close to the end to even be able to judge. Like, are you capable of judging how much gas you have left in the tank? So if you're, you know, if you need to make a sprint right at the end because you want to come in top three or whatever, you know, do you even know, okay, I have, I've, I've reserved this much, let me pull back a little bit, or is it just, you know what, if you have it, go for it? Oh, definitely. Marathon, they say marathon is not over until you cross the finish line. Yep, anything can happen. The last one mile, you can go from being the first place to be dead last place. It just, that's how... That's how tough the marathon is. It's just how your body holds and, and what kind of training you have done. For me, unfortunately, I did have some great races and I have some bad races too. But most of my races have been great, thank God. And also, like, you know, it's always good to have something reserved. It's always, like, people don't plan it, but it's just how you're feeling. That's what the reserve is. You don't burn out yourself. You don't go out too fast. You don't go out, like, just something that you're not capable of, something that you've never done in training mm-hmm. like if you go out like a 440 while your capability your max your max capability is five minutes flat it's totally two different you're 20 seconds you might not even make it to the halfway mm-hmm. but if you go out to five flat and you make it halfway and you still have some left so if you tried to be so strategic i guess where you're like you know what I'm just going to pull back a little bit. I mean, who knows? Something could go terribly wrong. I mean, because like you said, you've had some good races, some bad races. You know, can you think yeah. about what, like, the worst race you ever ran was? Was was weather something that sometimes factors in, you know, because it's all outdoors, you know, spectator distractions, anything like that? I think one of the, the one of the worst, I wouldn't say worst. It was just, it wasn't like, it was something out of my control. It was the, it was the mother nature. It was in Boston, I think, 2008, 2018. In Boston, 2018, just when there was windy, rain, everything that you could ever, everything that you don't want in running, we had that day. You have the wind, we have the cold, we have the rain, we have everything. Mm-hmm. It was like a 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour, headwind, raining, everything. Water, just like you soaking wet, just like that was one of the... That was one of the toughest races. I wouldn't say the worst, but that was one of the toughest races yeah. I ran. And I have no idea how I get to the finish line. 
And through this day, we talk about me and my brother. My brother was less than a second in front of me, but I never see him. I don't even remember him being there. Mm-hmm. It's just a complete blur. <laughs> yeah. How do you deal with the heat? I guess that's another thing because all these races outdoors and you're doing it. In, it's going to be July, August, sometimes the, the hottest month of summer. I mean, here uh, I live in uh, Manitoba. I mean, we, we get hot during the summer, but I'm lucky to all of our marathons are either in the early spring months or in the fall. I can't even imagine mm-hmm. being out there when it's 30 degrees outside and sun's beating down on you. I mean, do you kind of just, you know, pray for clouds that day? Yeah, you know, like that's, that, you know, to be honest, there's not a lot of marathon that happen during the summer months. Actually, there's a few marathons happen, but as a lead for us, the marathon that we run usually like in New York City is the fall, mm-hmm. Chicago is the fall, and, you know, Boston is the spring. So we kind of like pick and choose. But and I know what you're saying, you know, it's, it's very tough to run a hot weather just mm-hmm. like just the best thing to do is to hydrate and the humidity, if humidity is the worst and the heat, the heat you can kind of deal with, you can hydrate and, you know, just can pace yourself. But humidity is just the toughest. What's the training like, whether you're doing the, the 10,000 meters or a marathon? Uh, do you have a certain amount of time you give yourself, like eight weeks, 10 weeks, where you need to, to build up that distance? Or do you just sort of go year round where you just continue to do these distances and training? Like, how, what is your training regimen like? Yeah, you know, marathon, you should do like a 12 week build up while you already fit. Like for us, we only take like maybe a month a year just to rest one month a year. And the rest of the year, we just kind of maintain fitness. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as, as soon as we find out what race we do, we usually like everybody's different. There's some people who train all year around and people who just need like eight week build up. Like for me, I usually do like our program's 12 week build up. So here we are, uh, at least at the time recording this, we're within let's say five, six weeks from uh, the Tokyo games. What's the average amount of you know miles or kilometers that you put on per week just getting ready for this? I do like maybe like a 200 kilometer per week. <laughs> yeah. do, do your shoes get burned out? Because it's funny, one of the first interviews we ever did in the show was with a, a race walker. And I was shocked to learn that like he said, oh, probably every three weeks I have to change my shoes. But I mean, you're running. That's even you know more... Uh, aggressive uh, wear and tear on these shoes. Like, how often do you have to change your shoes doing that? Oh, you know, I, I, I don't just, I never even thought about that because I have like unlimited shoes. So, <laughs> you know, I'm a nice athlete. So, just, I never even thought about that. But maybe I know how difficult it could be, you know, like if you don't have any shoe sponsor and you're doing the same thing that I'm doing, you might be going through few shoes a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine will last for a year. That's crazy. <laughs> Did you have a favorite Olympic experience of all the ones you've been at? I don't know. I loved every everyone, everybody. Every Olympic was so it was special for me. You know, just like at the end of the day, making the Olympic team never gets old. To be honest, you know, just my make. I remember making the Sydney Olympic team. That was my first Olympic dream come through. And then I remember going to Athens again. Just was amazing. Mm-hmm. Beijing, it's amazing. And then going to London. Yeah, just uh, I have a I have a great experience each each Olympics uh, that I've been to, and and I'm looking forward to being a part of the US team in Tokyo. So it's going to be fun. You have to let me know because no matter what you look for online with you, it always says the same thing. And I don't know if you take this you know as a pat on the back or anything, but it, everywhere I go, it always says you are the 
oldest athlete competing, I guess, in athletics or on the, the U.S. running team. Is that something where you take it as a badge of honor? Because you technically, are you the oldest that they've ever had on the team? I don't know. Maybe. Um, just to be honest, I never I never Googled it. I never thought about it. <laughs> it's, it's all It's not over. a big deal for me. Yeah, I know it is all over. I know. But it's just at the end of the day, it's just like maybe something people are interested in. To be honest, I know I'm, I am the old. Okay, I guess. The truth is, I am 44 years old, mm-hmm. and I cannot deny that. But at the end of the day, no one gave me the spot. Say, hey, you the oldest guy, go be a yeah. representative. I earned it. I beat the young guys who want to be the Olympians, so I took their spot. So I guess I'm younger than them. They're probably <laughs> older than me. That's that, the way I look at it. That's what makes me feel good because, I mean, I, I, I won't give the exact number. I'm a couple years younger than you, but I'm like, there's hope. I mean, if Abdi's going to be in the Olympics at 44, at 44, you know, I want to be beating the 18, 19-year-old kids. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Uh, now, you, you have a, a book that's going to be coming out as well. Uh, so we do have to talk yeah. about it. I have to ask you, before we even get into the book, uh, the full title is Abdi's World, The Black Cactus on Life, Running, and Fun. Uh, now, first, you got to tell me, what, what, where did the name The Black Cactus come from? You know, the name Black Cactus came from, you know, I'm a, I would never say I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm Arizona native. I grew up here. I've lived here since I was a little kid. Never moved to another state. Always Tucson, Arizona, Flagstaff. Went to school here. Just all my life lived in Arizona, and and one day, just my neighbor just wanted me to come up with a nickname. He said, "How about Black Sword?" And I said, "No, not Black Sword. How about the Black Cactus?" And he said, "Oh, Black Cactus sounds good." And that's where the name came out. You know, just being, and I leave a lot of cactus around my house. So, but also like, and I remember they shot, and I remember Shaq came to the Phoenix Suns. So he called himself Big Cactus. Is this something that like the other athletes on the team know uh, you're known by and all that? Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of my friends who, a lot of my my teammates and the people who run against me, they know me. So I even have a t-shirt line. So it's oh, cool. that's amazing. I'm, I'm going to look up your t-shirts now. <laughs> what what compelled you to write this book or to, to 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 do a book? You know, is it something where you've had five, you know, almost five Olympics, you know, behind you now, and you've got that many stories to tell, uh, or anything specific that kind of compelled you to to pick up the pen and write a book? You know, just to be honest, like uh, at the end of the day, you know, the five-time Olympian did help a lot, actually, to be honest. And I'm not going to lie and say, hey, this, this, you know, that's a part of it. You know, just at the end of the day, to make a five-time, to be a five, I almost become a six-time Olympian. I also mm. missed the 2016 yeah. due to injury. It's not like I make it. Well, I, I've been to the trials five times and I made all five times. You know, just and at the end of the day, I want to share my experience in the Olympics my life journey to the U.S., you know, and also like uh, some some young guys, something that they can learn from my, you know, my long career, my long career I have been running, you know, just like uh, at the end of the day, running is just, it, it's what you put into it, you get out of it. So it's not like at the end of the day, just, it just, you have to listen to your body. I just like, there's so many good things that little kid or just even life lessons in general, just setting goals, all everything i'm actually really excited you know to pick it up myself i mean because i i really especially since doing the show i really love you know the sports biographies the ones written by the athletes themselves uh and then of course running's a bit of a hobby of mine so i mean it's it sounds fantastic um with uh with the the book it's going to be coming out in july i understand but you've got the olympics like right around the corner uh yeah 
I have to ask a, a little bit. You know, we, we did talk to the last time we talked to a uh, summer athlete. Um, it, it wasn't even somebody who had qualified yet. So, you know, this is the first time we've been able to have somebody on here who's able to tell us, you know, I'm on my way to Tokyo. But last year, I mean, we had several athletes on where the postponement of the games, you know, sometimes positively affected them, sometimes negatively affected it. You know, there are athletes who said, I wasn't ready for Tokyo in 2020, but I might be in 2021. You know, how is the the delay in this been for you? Is it something where you kind of wish you'd been able to go back there last year? Or did you look at this as an extra year just to get ready for it? Uh, you know, to be like, and, the, and, and that's the other thing. And that's what makes me like different from other people, to be honest. Like for me, I've, I look at it, the Olympic postponed last year, 2020 Olympics, even though I was ready to go, I was prepared for it. I went to the trials, made the team, you know, I was hoping for the best, but there was, we were, we were dealing with a bigger issue than Olympics, you know, life and death, we, we, we were dealing with the pandemic. And for me, after I found out how bad the damn pandemic was, the COVID-19, how, how did it affect it all, not only in the U.S., but everywhere in the world, every every other country. The last thing we want to do was just think about the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So I never thought about it for me. I thought about it more. I thought about it as the well-being of my friends, my family, my loved ones, and also like my community. So just to be honest, I, I think Bosponda was the best thing that ever happened, you know, just, and not only Olympics, because all other sports being postponed, like everything just happened like halfway, like the NBA championship, but there was no people, they were on the bubble, you know, just mm-hmm. the whole world was, was in a limbo, it wasn't full function. And for me, just the Olympic happening now, 2021, and things getting back to normal, yeah. what a better way to start the normality on for us, getting back to life, than having the Olympics and showing the world we say we overcome the bad time and we defeat the pandemic. What a, best, what a good way to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I look at it for me. Yeah, and you're going to be competing uh, in which events in Tokyo? Uh, and I'm going to be competing the marathon. The marathon, okay. I mean, we're going to be watching. We're going to be glued because we we have a great track record here on interviewing people who go on to medal. <laughs> Let you know that. Uh, so oh, man, we're, we're going to be uh, rooting for you now. Um, uh, just quickly before we let you go, uh, we do a final set of questions here, uh, which is a little bit fun. Some of the questions more serious, you know, sports related. Some of them little bit uh, uh, less formal. Uh, this is actually taken from the Team Canada website. It's something they get the athletes to fill out in their own hands and everything. And every question is sort of uh, different for each athlete. So uh, run through a couple of these here with you. First of all, your favorite Olympic moment is, whether it be your own or somebody else's. My favorite, my favorite Olympic moment was the opening ceremony in Sydney Olympics 2000, oh. walking into the stadium. And that's going to make my co-host very happy because he's from Australia. So <laughs> anytime that gets mentioned. Uh, if you could choose any Olympic host city, what would it be? Olympic host city? Mm-hmm. Sydney. You want Sydney again? <laughs> yes. Are you going to, you know, whether you compete or attend, are you going to be there for Los Angeles? I'm guessing that's going to be an easy trip to make. Oh, definitely. I will be there. I'm hoping that's to be there. Point. Maybe we could, we could watch the I marathon. Might, I, might be I might be competing. You never know. I was, I was hoping. I mean, hey, you can be a seven time Olympian by then. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, you never know, man. Keeping, you know, as, as for today, I'm going to compete. So I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, haven't announced my retirement yet. So yeah. why not? So <laughs> keep going for it. Here's a good one. The weirdest instruction a coach ever gave you was. Weirdest instruction was what doing a double workout in a one day. 
double work. What, what was the workout entailing? What did you have to do? Uh, I had to do a tempo run in the morning and then I have to come back and do a truck workout in the afternoon. Did you sleep well that night at least? Oh, I did sleep real well. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, what is your favorite workout? Another workout one. Uh, 12 by two, 12 times 1K. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're very ambitious. Uh, here's here's a good one. If you could have lunch with any one person, it would be? Uh, President Clinton. Clinton, okay. If you could have any superpower, it would be? Um, make the world a better place. Yeah. <laughs> Peace. That's, see, again, people are usually saying, I want to teleport or I want to fly. We've had two athletes in a row who give very logical, smart answers. I'm liking the, the change and shift here that we're having. As a kid, I don't know if, if you know it's going to be an Arizona team or not, but as a kid, your favorite sports team was? Uh, Inter Milan. Sorry, it was what? Inter Milan soccer team. Oh, soccer. Okay, there we go. Yeah. So, so it's not the Phoenix Coyotes because I guess you weren't a kid at that point. No, no, I didn't even know. I think the Phoenix Coyote didn't even exist that time. Yeah. Well, see, the, I'm from Winnipeg, so uh, we gifted our team to you. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we got another one back now, and I think Phoenix is still still kicking. If you could live anywhere in the world, it would be? That's a tough question. You can even pick Tucson or Flagstaff. <laughs> if I could live already here, I'm already here, so that's the one thing. <laughs> that's not a wish. <laughs> Yeah, if I could live anywhere in the world. That's a tough question. I'll say Flagstaff. Yeah, good answer. <laughs> Why mess with success, right? <laughs> yeah. Last question here. Uh, well, actually, second last question is the last one we'd like to ask everybody. Your favorite sports movie is. Do you have a favorite sports movie? Uh, favorite sports movie? Like, uh, uh, Billy Mills, Running Brave. What, what, what's that about? Is that something that we can find online? When yeah, you yeah, can find online. Yes, Billy Mills is like a 1964 Olympic champion, 10,000 meter from oh. the U.S. American. Nice. We'll put it on the list to check it out. We like to do movie marathons around the time of the Olympics. Uh, final yeah. answer to you, who is the greatest Olympian of all time? Feel free to say yourself if you want. Uh, greatest Olympian of all time? Mm-hmm. In any sports or? Any sport. Man, I'll say Michael Phillip. Yeah. My Arizona boy. He, he comes up often. <laughs> yeah. Abdi, uh, it's been great talking to you, uh, especially with a new sport. I don't think we've ever talked to a distance runner before. Uh, again, your book, Abdi's World, The Black Cactus on Life, Running, and Fun, uh, that's going to be out uh, very shortly. And then Tokyo's around the corner. You're excited about Tokyo, I'm guessing? I'm very excited. Uh, we're going to be watching you and cheering for you. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for being on the show. And if at any point you happen to make your way up to Winnipeg around the time of the Manitoba Marathon, let me know. You know, I could try to keep pace with you or watch you from a distance. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Great talking with Abdi. And, uh, again, if you want to find his book, it's called Abdi's World, The Black Cactus on Life, Running, and Fun. And uh, I'm ordering a copy of this as soon as it comes out. I'm going to pre-order it. And I'm actually really excited to read it, especially after talking to Abdi. We are now so close to Tokyo 2020. 
which sounds weird considering we're a year removed from 2020, but we're so close to Tokyo 20 or Tokyo 2021 as we want to call it. Uh, I don't even know if we're going to have any other episodes uh, before we actually get there. And we watch Abdi and all the other uh, athletes that we're cheering for. But just kind of give people an idea of what we have coming up. Obviously, during the Olympics, we're going to be having daily coverage starting from the opening ceremonies all the way through to the closing ceremonies. Every day, we're going to uh, have all three of us on here, myself, Ben, and Jared, who uh, you don't usually get to hear from Jared unless we're uh, not doing an interview, which we've been doing so many interviews lately. And a lot of the fun ideas that we're kind of tossing around, possibly going back and doing reviews of the Olympic films you can see on uh, the Olympic Channel, um, maybe even the, the Tokyo 64 games. There's a video game out now for Tokyo 2020, uh, which I'm looking forward to playing. Maybe we're going to review that. We're going to have lots of variety coming up as well. Lots more athlete interviews to come. Make sure, as always, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you might be able to find us. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you don't hear from me again, my name is Colin, and you will hear from me again when we're in Tokyo. But I won't be in Tokyo. But somebody will be in Tokyo. And we'll be talking about Tokyo.